You're listening to what we should have learned in school, and I am your host, Amy Leo. And for today, I really felt inspired to talk about psychological triggers. When I worked in social work, this is something that we discussed a lot with clients. We talked about uh, identifying you know, triggers in the environment, things that purportedly would cause someone to feel a certain way or cause someone to behave a certain way. And then I would work with the clients on developing coping skills. So what do you do when you're triggered? It might be um, teaching them relaxation skills, meditation. It may be um, creating a list of activities to do, like we'll go to your room and start creating music or go for a run or play a game or something like that. And the thing is, the, the current conversation about psychological triggers is really incomplete. And this was something I was really made aware of again when I watched the documentary on Tim Bergling's life. And for those of you that may not recognize Tim Bergling and his name, he goes by the stage name of Ichi. So I was watching the documentary of of his uh, struggles and his successes as a famous recording artist, DJ, and producer. And it occurred to me to really have an open and honest discussion about triggers because the mainstream conversation is missing a crucial detail. It is completely not looking at the middleman. It's not looking at what is it that actually is responsible? What is it that actually causes how we feel and and subsequently how we behave? There is a disconnect between outside things like other people, places, things, or circumstances. Those things are all happening, but our internal reaction is not caused by those things. And we know this because triggers vary from person to person. So if in fact it was, say, um, the stimulus of a gun that could make someone feel anxious, anytime any of us saw a gun, we would experience anxiety. What is an, an even better case for the fact that that something outside of us doesn't directly cause or doesn't directly put a feeling in us is that what we purport or what we feel triggers us changes throughout our lifetime. So there may be things now that are very difficult for you to come across in the environment and, and internal sensations are welled up of, of unease or anger or sadness or fear or whatever that is for you. But again, those triggers change over time. There are people I've worked with that can come, come across now certain things that before they, they really felt they were unable to without completely, you know, kind of losing it, quote unquote, emotionally. Also things that aren't so obvious as being triggers for folks are in fact identified as triggers. It could be things like the smell of eggs, you know, because someone's father used to always make eggs in the morning and they associate the smell of eggs with how they were physically abused, for instance. So, so triggers, the notion of triggers, the idea of trigger warnings even is not in black, is not as black and white as it seems. In fact, there's very little evidence even to support the notion that it, something like a trigger warning actually 
help support someone's mental well-being. Because the flip side of this is if we really believe that what we have to put our attention on is things outside of us, it can become a bit scary. I mean, if we, if we follow, if we believe, if we buy into this old paradigm, this old way of looking at human experience and psychology, that things outside of us can cause a reaction, that it only makes sense that our world would become smaller and smaller and smaller. We would be looking to avoid things, our environment out of fear of being quote unquote triggered. And we we spoke about this actually on another episode when I was interviewing Amanda Jones that for me, I realized that I was starting to associate airplanes with panic attacks. And when I stopped for a moment, when I was in the comfort of my own home and realized that I was feeling fearful about fear, feeling fearful, right? I, it became that I was getting so afraid of experiencing a panic attack that I was suffering. I was struggling when I wasn't anywhere even near an airplane. And this points to that middleman, that filter that all of us have moment by moment by moment, cradle to the grave. We are always filtering our environment. There is something in between what happens out there in the world and and how we feel internally. Now, different people call that different things. You could call it interpretation. You could call it a filter. You could call it the principle of thought. Some people will call that like, oh yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like having an attitude towards life. Um, But I would kind of encourage you that attitude may not be a really adequate way to describe it because in, in my experience, often this filter occurs unconsciously, right? So we, we actually aren't in control of this invisible filter, this, this natural interpretive creative potential, this, this interpretive quality that affects every moment of our lives. We're, we're not in conscious control of that. So where does that leave us today? Well, number one, we're not at the mercy of triggers because we're part of a moment-to-moment system. So when, when sometimes folks define triggers, they'll define it as a stimulus, as something, a person, place, thing, or circumstance that forces a cascade of perhaps painful, difficult, or even traumatic memories. And, and here's the, the hope and the truth about about that, that memories have been shown to be quite unreliable. And in fact, memories change over time. And so I'm not discounting the fact that you've had difficult experiences in your life. I'm not telling you, oh, just get over it. No, that's not what I'm saying. If you are working with a therapist, if you have identified things in your environment, people, places, things, etc., to avoid right now, and that's working for you, keep doing that. Listen to your common sense. I'm not saying, oh, well, because there's this middleman of experience that you should go out and then face all your fears and look at all the things that in the past you felt have triggered you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the, the conversation we're having about psychological triggers is incomplete at best. So there's a hope in realizing that, okay, the past has already happened. The only way I can experience painful 
sensations is by bringing the past into the present. Now, there's no way we can really do that other than memory. And memory is just thought, essentially. It isn't happening in our environment. Nothing is happening in our environment. It's happening internally within our own minds. And starting to see that that we can take back a sense of empowerment or we can more quickly experience relief in the throes of our upset is when we start to see we don't have to identify with those memories. Another way to say that is we don't have to uh, take them seriously. We don't have to obsess and ruminate over them because the answer to our problem is not in trying to unpeel the past and rehash what happened and why and who did this to who. That's already happened. When we are fascinated or obsessed with trying to fix a present feeling by going back into our memories, we often don't see that we're innocently keeping those negative, sometimes they're called, or I would just call them, we're keeping those uncomfortable sensations, those painful sensations alive because our attention is on those memories. We're giving them some kind of importance. And what I'm saying today is that maybe we don't have to do that. Maybe that isn't where the answer to a lasting sense of grounding and of inner peace occurs. If we go back to the example of the Avicii documentary with the the gentleman Tim Bergling, there were many things going on in his environment. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he had a really hectic touring schedule. And I'm not saying that that doesn't affect someone's health. But what I do find sometimes happens is all this focus on the external all this focus on changing our circumstances or trying to change the people around us, it leaves us empty-handed because what happens for folks often is say they're working with a therapist, they've identified triggers and coping skills, they, they've done that, and yet these familiar feelings of worthlessness, of anxiety, of panic, of mania still continue to occur even when they've made a lifestyle change or their circumstances changed. In the case of Tim Bergling, I mean, he did quit touring. Avicii did stop touring. And not that much later, he ended up passing away from self-inflicted wounds when he wasn't, he wasn't touring anymore. So this is not to um, point a finger at Avicii and say, oh, he should have known better. Absolutely not. Please do not misunderstand why I'm using this example. I'm using the example of his life, his work, and his death because we really are missing something fundamental in our conversation about psychology, about psychological and emotional triggers, about mental health. There's something missing there. And Avicii, Tim Bergling, was not the only one that experience that sense of hopelessness after they had made lifestyle changes or done this program that promised to deliver these results. So stay in this conversation with me. I really encourage you to just stay curious about what I'm presenting each week. So that's all I have for you today. My invitation to you today 
is to really question the notion of psychological triggers. What's really going on there? Is it even logical for us to keep acting like something outside of us can cause a feeling, can make us feel something? Can triggers even be a good thing? Because they cause us to more deeply question how the human system's really working. I'll go even a step further. Can triggers be normal and healthy? What if our response, even if it's uncomfortable, isn't necessarily all doom and gloom? It's not a sign of our failings as a human being. We're just a human being. It's just a reminder that we are a human being. That we're alive. That we were made to feel a dynamic range of experience and sensation. I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Again, my name is Amy Leo. You've been listening to What We Should Have Learned in School. Until next time, stay curious. Take care of yourself. Again, honor your own common sense. Test out the things I share on the show. I don't want you to just say, oh yeah, that's a good idea. No, no, I really want you to experiment with this in your own life. Use your life as your classroom. That's the only way that I've seen sustainable transformation happen anyway. So yes, it's a mouthful, but I'll see you again next week. Until then, keep rocking.